Hey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. My name is Fernie, and I'm the pastor here at Mid-City Church. And today we're starting a brand new series on salvation. Uh, so we're going to talk about things like uh, what happens when we die, and uh, how, what is hell, and how do we avoid it, and am I even saved? So I'm excited to jump into this series. So get ready, because here we go. Growing up, I was one of five cousins on my dad's side of the family. And this is important. I'll tell you why later. But uh, we had an aunt called uh, that we called Tia Alma, and Tia is Spanish for aunt. Now, my Tia Alma, uh, she wasn't really my aunt. She was actually my dad's aunt, uh, my grandma's sister, which I think that makes her my great aunt. But we just called her Tia. Now, my tia had, uh, she'd made a good life for herself. She was a licensed social worker in Mexico back before social workers were really a thing. Uh, so uh, she was able to make decent money at the time. Now, at one point, she decided to move to Mexico City to practice uh, um, her social work there. And while she was there, my, my tia made a friend who had political aspirations. And uh, when this friend started running for political office, she asked my aunt, my tia, to help her uh, on this process. And of course, my tia said yes, which paid off for her in the long run. After winning office, this friend appointed my aunt to become the CEO of the social work department for three different government healthcare agencies in Mexico. This included hospitals and clinics. Now, my tia eventually retired. She bought a timeshare and spent her whole life traveling from one timeshare to the other, from one city to the next. And I, I have memories of her spending months at a time with us before she would go to somebody else's house and spend months at a time with them. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I also have these, these very uh, dear memories of her taking us on our family vacations to places like Corpus Christi and Puerto Vallarta and Acapulco and historic Mexican cities like Guanajuato and Guadalajara and so many others. Honestly, if it wasn't for her we probably would not have been able to afford to travel as much as we did when I was growing up. Now, remember I told you at the beginning that I was one of five cousins? Okay, so here's why I, I mentioned that. Growing up, they hated me because everyone knew that I was my tia Alma's favorite. And I mean literally. All five of us could walk into a store with her, and she would grab me by the hand and say, what would you like for me to buy you? We would, uh, when we would go on vacation, my parents were always trying to keep me quiet at all the times because if she got wind that I wanted to do something, she would cancel everybody else's plans, every other plan that we had already made, and make everyone do what I wanted to do. I also always got the nicer beds when we traveled. She made sure I had a comfortable seat in the car when we were traveling. Like, she would literally do anything for me. And to be honest, I loved her so much. I mean, and it was very obvious that she did the same for me. She always told me how proud she was of me and how excited she was to go to my college graduation. And I remember how supportive she always was of me going into ministry. She really was a part of my foundation growing up. But then, January 17th, 2011, as I was getting ready for class, I got a phone call from my dad telling me that my Aunt Alma, that my Tia Alma had passed away from a heart attack. Now, if you've ever received a call like that, 
you probably responded the same way that I did after getting that call. At first, I was in shock. I was speechless. I was trying to process how this could really be, and we had so many plans for that summer, and now, just like that, they were gone. Now, once the shock began to go away, tears began to gush down my face. In fact, I was crying so hard that I, I was even having a hard time breathing in my room as, as, as I was processing these news. And it was in the midst of the tears that I began to feel pain, the pain of losing her. And my body began to tense up and every bone and muscle in my body were hurting. And all I wanted to do was close the curtains in my, in my apartment, turn off all the lights, roll up into a little ball, get under my blankets and just cry all day by myself. Now, as the days went by, I started learning to live with the knowledge that I would never get to see her again. And I started to have some good days. But at least once a day, especially when I least expected it, a memory would pop up and I would remember how much I missed her. And, and all the things we were going to miss out on and the tears and the tension would all just start coming up all over again. It's been 11 years since we said goodbye to her and to this day... I still find myself missing her and reminiscing about all the adventures we had and about all that we could be doing if she was still here. I've got to tell you, the day I graduated seminary, I wanted her there so badly. The day I got married, I couldn't stop thinking about how big her smile would have been as she sat on the front row at the church. And the day I got ordained, I kept trying to imagine how proud she would have been of me uh, uh, and, and how she would have moved heaven and earth to be at all three of those. But like I said, she was no longer with us. And as much as I wished it wasn't true, it was. Have you ever lost a loved one? Have you ever had to experience the pain of having to say goodbye to somebody one last time as the casket is being closed and then try to hold it all together as they were buried and the, uh, the dirt began to pile above them? Or, or maybe have you ever held a bag of ashes wondering how in the world the person you loved so much and experienced so much life with and hoped to accomplish so much more with has been reduced to nothing but a bag of ashes? You know, I think that deep down inside of us, the question we all wrestle with after losing a loved one is, what now? What happens to them? Or more specifically, what happens after death? Now, I don't know about you, but death can be a difficult thing to talk about, right? I mean, from my experience, talking about death can bring up two different types of emotions, sorrow and fear. So the, the sorrow shows up when we talk about the loss of a loved one. When we remember the fact that they're no longer physically present with us, uh, that, that's when the, the sorrow is there, right? The fear shows up when we talk about our own death or even the death of someone close to us, right? So there's fear of the unknown, fear of running out of time, fear of leaving our loved ones behind, even the fear of how painful death may be. I think that's why I hear so many people say stuff like, when I die, I hope it happens while I'm asleep, right? I, I won't have to suffer myself or see other people suffer. You, you ever said anything like that or at least maybe thought it? I have, just know that it's okay if you have. But hear me say this, though. As Christians, despite the fear we may feel and the sorrow we experience, we must also hold on to the hope that death is not the end. So let me explain what I mean by that. Death is inevitable, right? That is one thing that every single one of us will someday experience. And yet, even though death seems to get the final word over all of us, 
There is more that happens after we die than just getting buried in a grave or being cremated and turned into ashes. So John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he taught a doctrine called the immortality of the soul. Now, let me note that this isn't something that Wesley made up or, or came up with. Plato was actually the first one to teach this doctrine. And by Wesley's time, this was a very common teaching of the church. And it, and it is still today. So the doctrine of immortality of the soul is this. When someone dies, their bodies are buried, but their souls go to heaven. So in other words, our bodies clearly die, and if we go and dig up a grave, we are without a doubt going to find evidence of human remains on the ground, right? Our souls, however, would go to heaven and be in the presence of God. So in the book of Revelation, the author references this idea of the souls of people in heaven multiple times. One of these references comes from Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. It says, I saw under the altar the souls of those people who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. Another reference to the souls in heaven comes from Revelation 20, verse 4. It says, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. Now, these are some extreme examples, right? But both of these, there are, altered, there are, there are souls in heaven that the author of Revelation sees. Over and over again, the author reveals to us that in the throne room of God, which is also known as heaven, there are the souls of people, the souls of the saints who have gone before us. Now, notice that the author doesn't say there's physical bodies there. The author says their souls are present in heaven. Now, for most people, this is good enough news, right? The idea that our souls get to uh, spend eternity in heaven with God and our souls will never experience pain or sickness or fear or dead or heartbreak or even death again, uh, that sounds like a perfect ending to a life well lived, right? I hear people reference this all the time and have great joy about it and I'm happy for them. But if I have to be honest, if all heaven is, is our souls roaming around in heaven, worshiping God and free of fear then heaven actually sounds kind of boring to me. There has to be more than just a bunch of souls roaming around. And Wesley would actually agree. Heaven is so much better than just our souls being released from the struggles of this world. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the idea of going up to heaven, wherever heaven may be. But that is not the full biblical understanding of heaven. As Christians, we believe and we understand that in the end, when sin and death have been fully defeated and they are no more, Heaven will come down to this earth. Heaven will come and inhabit this very physical world. And when that happens, going back to the doctrine of the immortality of the soul, God will raise up our physical bodies in perfect shape and reunite them with our soul. This means that whether you were buried or cremated, God raises your body from the dead to experience heaven. This means that whether you died as an infant or at an old age, God can raise your body from the dead to experience heaven on earth. This means that whether you died of natural causes or committed suicide, God raises your body from the dead to experience heaven on earth, no matter what kind of death you may experience. The same God who created the heavens and the earth will raise your body from the dead and bring it back to life. Now, I know that this can be a difficult concept to wrap our, head, our heads around, so let me show you how this can be. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
So think about this. The same God who took dust from the ground and formed Adam out of it and breathed life into him is the same God who can do it again for you and me. Because here's the reality. If God did it once, then God can and God will do it again. Let me say it again. If God did it once, then God can and God will do it again. So if he did it for Adam, he can do it for us and he will do it for us. So no matter how long someone has been buried in the ground, no matter if someone's ashes are spread out across the world or in different places, no matter if someone's body was never found or even if someone was just recently buried, it's true that from dust we came and to dust we shall return, but rest assured that God is big enough, that God can and God will bring our bodies back to life so that we can experience eternity in this new heaven and this new earth. Now, we see proof of this in Ezekiel chapter 37. So listen to what it says. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath into you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord." When I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. So let me explain what's happening here. God takes this prophet named Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. And from the description, we get the sense that these, are, that these bones are so dry that there is zero chance of them ever coming back to life again. But then God speaks. He tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, and these bones begin to come together, and sinews begin to form, attaching the, mount, the muscles back to the bones, and, and then these bones begin to get covered by skin, and then uh, when they've been transformed from nothing back into their human bodies, God breathes life into them, and they experience resurrection. And see, just like God can take these dead and dry bones and resurrect them, God can take our bodies, in whatever condition they may be, and bring them uh, back to life as well. In other words, if God could, then God still can. Now, why does this understanding of our immortal souls being reunited with a physical body matter? Why does this whole thing matter for that uh, matter? I I don't know about you, but saying goodbye to someone we love is tough. 
right? Knowing that we can never talk to them again or visit them again or make memories with them, th- those thoughts hurt. I- I've got to be honest, I still wish my tia Alma could have been there the day I got married. Uh, I, to this day, I see pictures and I think, wow, I wish she would have loved that day, right? And I, and I think about the big hug she would have given me that night. And I, I just, I miss her a lot. And, and I still miss my grandma Velia, who's my grandma on my mom's side, right? I, I wish she was around to tell my daughter about the costume party she took me to when I was young. Which, by the way, I won best costume at that party. And I know without a doubt that if she was still here, she would probably uh, have made Abby's first costume and taken her trick-or-treating. I, I still miss my daily walks with my grandma on my dad's side. I don't know about how she did it, but even in her old age, she hiked up mountains with me, down steep hills, and always helped me collect trinkets that we found on the side of the road. And they always ended up in the trash, but the smile she would have on her face every time mine lit up was priceless. I still miss my friend George from elementary school. He moved away uh, uh, when we were in elementary school and somewhat stayed in touch. This is before social media. And, uh, And then I heard that he had died of gun violence when we were in high school. And I miss him, right? He and I used to play basketball every single day. And I wish we could just play together one more time. And just recently, I officiated a funeral for a former coworker named Sandra. And every time I would see her, she would give me this big hug. She would talk about college football with me. And then she would always tell me how proud she was of me and how good of a pastor I am. And just her words of comfort were always uh, uh, so important for me. And I, I miss hearing her and being able to talk to her and, and just spending time with her. And I've got to be honest, even worse, as I see my parents get older, my stomach begins to turn in knots at the thought that one day they will no longer be with me. That at some point they will no longer be in my daughter's life. And that thought nearly brings me to tears every time. So here's why this whole thing matters. In the end, our understanding of what happens after we die is that our souls go to heaven and our bodies are buried. But one day, when heaven comes down to earth, when this world is made perfect, when there is no more suffering or pain or sorrow or sickness or war or political fighting or world conflict or hunger or anything else that doesn't belong in this world, on that day, we will be physically reunited with our loved ones. We're not just going to be a whole bunch of souls floating around in heaven worshiping God, which we will worship God. Uh, we, but we will have physical bodies. We will be able to embrace our loved ones and, and memories will be made for eternity in a way that was never possible in this world. And in fact, John Wesley would say, even your pets would be there and uh, you, you'd get to just experience eternity with, with your loved ones and be able to embrace them and hold them. See, despite the pain and fear, we can face death with full assurance that it does not get the final word. While we may experience a temporary physical separation from those we love, and, and, and we're going to be honest, the separation is difficult. We can trust and we can know that this separation is only temporary. So here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you at some point in the next week to find a candle. And, and at some point in the next week, I want you to light this candle in honor of All Saints Day. Now, normally on All Saints Day, we'll light a candle in memory of someone that we've lost. But this time, I want to challenge you to light it with a different reason behind it. I want you to light it in confidence that one day 
this separation will be over and we will get to experience eternity in heaven with them. And on that day, nothing will ever separate us from them or them from us. So light that candle this week. Light it as a, 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 an assurance in the midst of darkness that while the temporary separation hurts, we know what's coming. May it be so. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. If you would like to dive deeper into today's topic, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you will find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. If this has been a helpful resource to help you grow in your faith, we want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.